Today's scripture comes from Ephesians 6, verses 21 through 24. So that you also may know how I am and what I am doing, Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. Peace be to the brothers and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Amen. Good to see you all this morning. Good morning. All right. I think I got one response there. Um, so, yes, thank you. See, I like that. Um, on that note, we've got a lot of room up here in the first couple rows. I don't know if some of the college groups are out of town because um, they usually hold it down up here. But, um, hey, I feel like donkey on Shrek, like I'm all alone, you know, like we, we need, um, you know, need some, need some people to be up here. And um, so maybe in the future or in a minute when I pray, um, come on up here. It's, it's nice. Um, yeah, my name's Dave. I'm the lead pastor here at Redemption Tucson. And uh, yeah, it's great to be with you all here. Welcome. If you're new, I want to give you a, uh, a heads up. Um, I have a speech impediment. It'll kind of come in and out as, as I go, but I just want to give you a, uh, a heads up on that. And um, as was mentioned earlier, a couple of us flew in late last night from Chicago and then drove down um, from Phoenix. And so uh, it's, it's, uh, we're excited, though, to be here. A, a couple things on that. I'll just say on the front end, before we, we uh, ask you to raise your hand if you want a Bible, is um, it, was, it was just so good to be with a, a larger body of God's people. And, and earlier we prayed for church plants and for what God's doing throughout the world. And there's a partnership we have with a, a uh, kind of a, a, a network, if you will, called City to City. And um, it was just so good. And there was incredible um, uh, teaching and worship and just time spent together and hearing God's heart for the nations and, and the part we get to play in that and how much we have to learn in that, in that, in that process. And so um, one of the things, well, as I said earlier, it, it, we were really blessed to be around, um, I think, a broader cultural expression of God's people, um, specifically in that context, l largely kind of African-American community and, and churches. And there was just, um, man, my heart, one, one time I just couldn't help but just, just cry, just hearing what God's doing and, and the ways we continue to need to grow and just the blessing it is to be a part of his people. And um, again, in that too, there was a lot of call and response and interaction, and it just reaffirmed how much I just uh, love uh, Again, walking through God's word together, amen, um, as a community, as his people. And um, anyway, we could talk more on that. On that note, um, we're going through Ephesians today, like all of it. Okay, so uh, we're going to kind of zoom back out and walk through the whole book. So we don't have every scripture up here um, to walk through because we're going to walk through kind of chapter by chapter, hit on some big ideas. So I want you to have a Bible, okay? All right, so, so when we ask here, if you don't have one, you can use your phone, um, but I, I want to make sure you have God's word in your hands, okay, in some form to follow along with, because we're just going to have that one passage and then one quote, and then that's it, okay? 
So eat some, eat some adult food, if you will. And um, with that, if you need a Bible, okay, uh, would you raise your hand? Hold it up and keep it up, and uh, somebody will get you one, okay, a copy of God's Word. Um, y en español, si quiere la Biblia y no tiene, por favor, levante su mano y diga español. Y si no tiene una Biblia, eso es un regalo a usted. Y uh, esta mañana estamos en el libro de Efesios, en Total, right? Amen. The whole thing. So, um, again, if you don't own a Bible too, keep this. Hey, guys, we need some more too. There's hands up. I'm with you. I got you. Um, so they'll bring you a Bible, and uh, let's let's get in. Okay, we need the Spirit to really lead us this morning as we walk through this whole book, and I'll kind of set the stage again for all that. So again, if you need a Bible, keep your hand up. They're getting them. I love it. You responded well. We need more Bibles than they were prepared for. Um, let's go ahead and pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for your church. Thank you that we get to be a part of it. Thank you for your son, Jesus. Lord, we are so easily distracted. We belong to you. We're a part of your, your family, your people, your mission. And I pray, as, as we often say or, or hear in, in this place, that um, this is reality, we're getting a glimpse, we're getting a picture of the reality of your, your, your oversight and your leadership over every facet of life, and yet we can forget that within seconds of walking out of here. So, Lord, we pray that through your spirit, whom you have sent, you will, you will open your word to us and, and you will open our hearts to be able to be transformed as your people, or we can be your faithful people in this world. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So again, we're, um, we're walking through the whole book here of Ephesians, and we won't get to what we just read until the end, okay? It's going to kind of tie it all up. So we're going to pick up in, um, in chapter 1, verse 1, and we're going to hit on some big ideas, okay, as, as, as we go through it. But, but I want to I remind us that, that, the, that, that Paul, the Apostle Paul, wrote this whole thing so that we would understand that, that, that Jesus is forming a people, that he's called a people, he's transforming a people made up of individuals, but forming a whole, a community together who would be, who would be his faithful people in a broken and chaotic world. All right, so with that, let's pick up in Ephesians 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus. All right, so Paul, just quick reminder, okay, because we can forget these things. Who, who is Paul? Well, his, his name was Saul. And, and um, the stuff that we've read, all right, over the last uh, 10 months, which, oh, by the way, kind of fun fact, Ephesians is the longest series we've ever done, by, I think by one week, right, Stephen? Yes, so by one week, we have spent more time in Ephesians over the last almost year than we have in any other book that we've walked through, uh, Acts, Mark, um, different things like that. So, so we've been in here, and we could forget some of this stuff. So as we zoom out and look at the whole forest, right? Like we've been in the trees just breaking stuff apart the whole time. And now we zoom out and we look at the whole forest. The, the guy who wrote this, okay, some of the incredible, powerful stuff that he wrote um, wasn't all, he wasn't raised in a Christian home, right? He didn't go to church camp as a kid. He, he was a Jewish um, uh, extremist in a sense. And he, he was a, a Pharisee of Pharisees. He obeyed the law. He was committed. He 
hated Jesus, right? He was anti-Christ. In fact, he was on his way to arrest people and put them in jail for following Jesus. And yet he had an encounter with Jesus. Jesus revealed himself to him very clearly, very pointedly, and he could do nothing else but to respond in faith. Just here, that's our prayer every time we gather together, whether here on Sunday or in our homes, in Bible studies, and mentorship, in community, that, that, that those who have never yet trusted Jesus and those who have but need to be reminded of what it looks like, that we would see and respond to the glory, the power, the authority, the, the radical, relentless pursuit and love of Jesus. And that's what happened to Paul, and he was transformed. And then he wrote this letter, like literally, most scholars agree, um, most likely chained directly to a Roman guard. Okay, he's under house arrest, and so he's writing to the people in Ephesus, to the church, to God's people that many were, were diverse, a diverse group of people, and um, they're going through all kinds of craziness in their world, all right? Very similar on a lot of fronts to us, okay? There was political, um, relational, identity kind of personal, um, how do we engage this world? What's, what's our source of hope and purpose? And all these things, there was chaos going on and Paul is writing this chain to his oppressor. And yet there's a power that comes here. As he's wanting people to understand, listen, this is who Jesus is and this is the transforming work that he's bringing about. And so he writes to Ephesus. And again, this isn't like a cow town, little, you know, kind of, kind of small. This is one of the three, at least top five major cities in the entire world. Okay. They had universities. They had a huge library. They had the great temple to Artemis. Um, what, what was there and all kinds of, kinds of crazy stuff went down. And so before we now kind of again, zoom back in and start walking through each kind of chapter by chapter, um, we need to help connect the dots to the world of that day and the world of our day. All right, very similarly to us, this was a, a community of people, a whole city, a, a whole culture, and, and many individuals who, who had their, their, their lives centered around different things. And, and we're constantly wondering, what's our source of safety? What's our source of hope? Where can I find identity? Where can I find power? Okay, we talked at the very first time that we walked through this, we looked at Artemis and all the stuff that they believed. Oh, if I, if I have a little statue to Artemis, if I kind of give my life to Artemis, if you will, and kind of center around this, 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 we now understand and believe, false god, this idol, this, um, this over-promising and dramatically under-delivering um, false god, then I'll be secure. And it's these, const- these house of cards that get, they just get, 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 get toppled down, and we'll see in a moment. Jesus just clearly revealed is, no, 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 this is his world. He's in control and he's at work. He's not distant and far off like their gods that just kind of dipped in for selfish entertainment every once in a while. But no, he's ruling and reigning over all things. Okay, but before we understand that, let's read a quote. I actually heard this this uh, this week, and it's um, I think you can you only have to quote like two right. We got author an author in here front row over here, so maybe you could tell me on this. I don't know, but I heard one guy quote another guy. I don't know who else he might be quoting, but that's as far as I have to go, right? Like, um, so this isn't me, but anyway, Tim Keller's quoting David Foster Wallace. 
and he, and, he, and he helps us understand similar to what they were going through where we find ourselves today, looking for meaning, identity, purpose, hope. He says this, if you worship money and things, in their case it would be Artemis or any other thing you orient your life around. If you worship money and things, if they are what you, um, what you tap real meaning for, meaning in life, then you will never have enough. You'll never feel you have enough. It's the truth. Worship your own body and beauty and sexual allure and you will always feel ugly. And when time and age start showing, you will die a million deaths before they finally plant you. Worship power. You will feel weak and afraid. And you will need ever more power over others to keep the fear at bay. Worship your intellect. Being seen as smart, you will end up feeling stupid, a fraud, always on the verge of being found out, and so on. Right? This is, these are some of the idols in our day, right? We can, we can tune down and be like, oh, we don't have little statues, little Artemis and little Zeus or whatever, you know, little different things. Oh, we don't get that. No, no, no. You see the things we orient our life around. And the reality that we see throughout all of scripture is this is our propensity. This is the effect of sin in the world is that when we turned away from God, all of us individually and communally, all of humanity, sin is in short, not God, right? When we do that, we're saying, I, uh, we don't want to find our identity and purpose and hope and power from you and from what you say and how you say things are supposed to go. Um, I'm going to find it in, again, money, intellect, relationship, right, power, um, physical enjoyment, whatever it might be, um, approval from others, whatever it might be, I'm going to find it there. And, and is it not always a house of cards that just the slightest wind will send crashing down, right, as we saw there? But the good news, the big idea of Ephesians is, is that Jesus, through his life, death, victorious resurrection, ascension, okay, rising, ascending to the right hand of God the Father, and current, present authority, rule, reign, intimate involvement with every facet of life. All that, that's the gospel, that's the good news, that that, all of that, through that, he is forming and transforming a people who will be able to remain faithful, to participate in his mission, of restoring and renewing all things, of ushering in his perfect kingdom. And that's what Paul, chained to a Roman guard, wants to make sure this, this, this young, vulnerable church, right? We don't know nothing about that, right? This young, vulnerable, influenceable church will understand Jesus is transforming you and forming you to be his faithful people. And so with that, we're gonna walk through the six chapters and we're just gonna see as we go, the big ideas, all right? Um, I'll just say them all. And, and again, I'm, I'm slacking, right? I'm in Chicago till late on this. I don't have them all up here. So here, I'll just say all six before we dive into um, number one. Okay, so the first one we'll see is Jesus rules over everything, right? That's the big idea in chapter one. In chapter two, Jesus chooses to love you in spite of you. Okay, number three is Jesus is grandstanding, through his people. Number four, Jesus loves and calls us to love radically because he is love. Then number five, 
Jesus turns power upside down. And then number six, Jesus protects his people. All right, so with that, let's pick up in chapter one. Again, we already read verse one. So um, meet me in um, verse seven. Ephesians one, verse seven. Okay, this is Jesus rules over everything. In him, we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. And then skip ahead down there to verse 10 where we see what he's doing. Okay, so we individually are redeemed to him. We're, 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 we're brought back into right relationship, um, having gone from enemies to um, people, family, children, sons, and daughters. And then in verse 10, we see that he has a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth, all things. Okay, so here's, this one's kind of tricky though, okay? So in the Greek, right, which I don't know like fluently, but I read people who do and understand these things. So the Greek um, meaning for all things is all things, okay? It's, you know, everything, right? But do we, do we tend to live that way though? All right, does the way you engage um, at, at a, at a drive-through, does the way that we engage our, in our families, in our homes, um, y- yesterday I got a cup of coffee and it was blazing hot and I was trying to let it cool and then the table tipped and it spilled all over my lap and as you guys know, I'm a really mellow, easygoing guy so I just brushed it right off, right? Like, does, does Jesus uh, restoring, uniting all things, does his lordship and glory and power, does that inform how I relate with a spilled coffee in the middle of a public place because my table got bumped, all right? He's, we tend to live in a sacred and secular divide, all right, where we think like, okay, this is God's domain, right? I'm in, I'm in church right now, okay? Like, and you even hear things, even well-meaning sometimes, right? We, some of us maybe make our kids dress up or dress a different way or, or like you might, you might cuss like a sailor out there, be like, no, you know, this is, this is God's house. I'm not gonna cuss in here. And it's like, that's, that's, that's honestly, that's a broken perspective, all right, like, oh, right, okay, Jesus isn't here, but he's got earmuffs on when he's out there, you know, he, or like, he doesn't care about that. No, he's, he's, he's uniting all things, all right? Young, young people in here, student, okay, like junior high folks, we, we're, we're growing in this demographic, like how you relate, how you talk about your, your classmates, what you enter into, what you, what you, what you, pull back from, all, all these different things, it's, it's related to, to, to who you are in your relationship with Jesus. Okay, there's never this division. And yet we, we, we tend to act that way, and yet the message is very clear. No, he's come, he's, yes, redeeming you individually, but he's uniting everything. Okay, he's calling it all together. And a big idea, and we're gonna spend more time early on as we go, right? Because that's like way back, right? We need to remember, and then we will kind of pick it up as we go. But another huge theme that we, that kind of where he further um, emphasizes this is that Jesus uniting all things assumes, understands the biblical reality, the biblical truth of the already and not yet of the kingdom of heaven, Okay, so let me just real quick unpack this, right? It's this idea where um, you're, you're, you're in one place and you've begun to experience the fruits, right? You've begun to experience the, the, the reality, but then there's, there's, there's a future element of like, it, there's, there's more, 
Okay, there's more coming. And, and that's already guaranteed. That's already promised. That's already um, something that you can live out of, right? You can kind of reach into the future and kind of dip into, and, and that informs how you live now. But, but it's, also, it's not just a like one day then, but no, you've begun to experience it. And we see that in Mark chapter one, when Jesus shows up on the scene, he says, you know, behold, the kingdom of heaven is at hand or is among you. He's saying, he's saying, hey, I'm, I'm here, y'all. Like, the kingdom is here. It's not just going to wait. It's, he ushers it in, right? He hadn't yet died on the cross. He hadn't yet risen from the dead, but the way he lived, the way he interacted, um, the Holy Spirit present through him and all of his ministry was the beginning of the kingdom, and now we get to live in light of that, right? Every illustration falls short, but it's kind of like this. I just got to officiate a wedding um, last Saturday, and right when, you know, they exchanged their vows, and right when I, I got to, you know, um, pronounce them husband and wife, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Like they're married, right? Like that moment. They're, they, they've come together in, in holy covenant before God, before his people, but all the realities of marriage, you know, all of them hadn't yet been realized, right? And they still haven't, okay? Like what it means to become one is, is growing, but they, they are one, right? But, but, but it's, it's continuing to unfold and they're continuing to live into that. And so that's one picture of this idea. And then Paul goes on in number two, in chapter two, is that Jesus loves you or chooses to love you in spite of you. All right, pick up with me in chapter two, verse one. I'm going to read the first part of this because we need to understand this. He starts this out. Jesus loves you, right? I just said that. Well, no. Verse one says, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, uh, the, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passion of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. Hey, my friend uh, Ricardo Stewart, some of his lead pastor up at Redemption Tempe, he'll be preaching down here in a couple of, of uh, in about a month. Um, he refers to this as naughty by nature. Right, some of you guys know know what that means, you know. Uh, hey ho, any, um, you know. So anyway, so you guys are too young for that. Um, well, we're by nature children of wrath. All right, we we don't. There's no way, right? Dead means what? What does dead mean? Dead, right? You don't do something to get undead when you're dead. You need outside intervention if anything's going to happen, right? By nature, we're opposed to God. We hate God. We're enemies of God. Okay, so there's no transactional love of God saying, hey, um, if, if you do this, I'll, I'll love you. I know Jesus chooses to love you in spite of you. Okay, we're by nature, right? We're naughty by nature. We're, we're, we're children of wrath. And yet, right, totally depraved. We, watch, we walk through some of this stuff, helpless, hopeless. No, there's no goodness in which to, to try to work ourselves back to God. Hopeless, and yet in verse eight, the good news, for by grace you have been saved. Grace, undeserved favor. By grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing, this faith. Even the faith doesn't come from you and me, right? Crazy maker, right? And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. 
For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So in a moment, we'll get over to chapter three, which is where we start to see why we're saved by grace. All right, it's not, it's, it goes hand in hand, okay? Your, 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 your faith that you have in Jesus, your, your, the trust that you place, that's what that word faith means, okay? A transfer of trust. The trust you've put in Jesus because he has now called you to himself and you now enter into a, a relationship with him. Um, that's not just so we can sit there and get like spiritually obese or sorry to be crass, but um, spiritually constipated, right? Just growing, I come to church, I get filled up, I hear all this stuff. No, he created, they would be directly connected to, again, how we relate with every facet of, of, of life. Okay, but again, we need to hear this big idea that we don't go on, well, what does it mean to be a Christian? How do you do the, just, just tell me what to do. Um, how do I do all the right things to make God happy? How do I live this Christian life? It starts with understanding that Jesus chooses to love you in spite of you. Okay, I, I pray and hope that's encouraging. Okay, that's good news, amen. That's life-shaping. That's foundational. That's not a house of cards. You can build your life on that. All right, and then he moves on and continues on in, um, in chapter three is that Jesus is grandstanding through his people. Okay, he's, he's showing his power. He's showing who he is. He's showing what he's, what he's doing now in verse, in verse 10 of chapter three. Um, let me get there. Okay, right there. Verse 10. Okay, he says um, he, he, he's doing these things. He's rescuing. He's, he's calling a people um, so that through the church, okay, the people. By the way, church is not a building. Okay, it's the people of God. Right, through, through the people of, of, of God, the, the, the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. All right, and we, we spent a lot of time on this and talked a lot about this, but this is hopefully incredibly empowering and humbling as well through us. That, 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 that again, J Jesus, right, creator of heaven and earth, the one who, who was raised from the dead, who currently right now, Okay, like tap your neighbor on the shoulder and say, right now, Jesus is ruling. Okay, he's not on timeout. He's not napping. All right, he's, he's ruling and he chooses to flex his muscle to reveal his glory and his power and his authority and his love through you and me, through us. Okay, earlier back in chapter two when he talks about us being his workmanship, the, the language used there, the Greek word is poema, the, 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 the poem, okay, that God chooses to, to reveal who he is, his character, his mind, his power, it's through you and me, through how we relate with one another. Okay, this stuff matters, all right? All the stuff that we've dived into and talked to throughout this book, how we relate, right? And we'll, we'll skip ahead there, but, but cultures reconciled to one another. The, in this case, just like in our day today is, is a crazy maker. It's like, no, that group doesn't relate with that group. No, the, you know, the, the, the people wearing the red hats, right? Don't, don't, there's no way they could relate with the people that are with her, right? That's impossible. That doesn't happen. That's, there's no way. Well, somehow... Somehow God's calling a people that would turn heads. They would say, man, that person should hate that person. But they break bread together. They, they don't agree. 
Okay, they don't just all of a sudden come to church here and then just, it's all like God just zaps us with a little wand and it's easy. It's not easy. It's really hard. Right, we've seen this. But let me just say for a moment, church, again, just where I got to be in Chicago and got to experience and see there, have we settled? Like, do we want to settle as a church? Do we want a palatable Easy kind of faith, easy kind of community that, that's, that's really, um, that, that can, that's easy, easily dismissed, right? They, they, there's a big event going on over at um, Armory Park for breast cancer awareness. It's a great thing, and, and man, honestly, I wish we knew and were more involved with it and a part of it. Well, I was talking to a couple people from it this morning, and, and, um, and our relationship with this school, what, what would it look like? for almighty God and his crazy work that he's accomplished through the cross and the resurrection and that he's bringing about through his spirit among us, for that to be the only thing that holds us together, that it demands an explanation. Man, does that sound good? Do do you want to be a part of that? Let me just say again, like, man, if God dwindles our numbers here because he's not, he loves us too much to allow us to just kind of play it safe, man, bring that on. Amen. Like where we're going as a church, where we're called to be a church, and again, you don't have to sign off on this right now. I'm not saying like, oh, leave or whatever. Okay, we want you here. We're glad you're here. But I do want to just be abundantly clear where we're headed, where we have to be as a church is that we never say, ah, that's getting too uncomfortable. Let's just take it a little easier. Let's, 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 let's adopt a more palatable faith. It comes at great sacrifice, at great cost to all of us. But, 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 but we can only do it because of the sacrifice he's already given and the good news he's already given us and the power he has and the love he has and the, the intimacy he's called us into with him personally and with each other. And then through the spirit he's sent, that keeps us going. He's grandstanding. He's got, he's got a big plan for us to be a part of, a big mission that we've been invited into. Amen? Jesus is grandstanding through his people. And earlier, I, I can't spend too much time, we'll get to it in, in chapter six in a moment, but it's not just about flesh and blood. It's not just about, like, if you kind of, like, pinch yourself. I'm not going to say pinch your neighbor because, you know, I don't want to cause any fights here. But, um, you know, like, it, it's about stuff we can't see, spirits. And, and we've, again, we've talked about this. Everywhere else in the world, um, this is easy. This is a no, I mean, people with PhDs, scientists in other universities in the non-Western world, people way smarter than most of us. Some of us in this room actually have all those things. So, okay, you're, but like really smart people, always, like this, they're not like, oh, I, you know, I believe in science. I don't believe in, you know, I don't believe in, in, in spirits and things like that. We all, if we're honest, we, in our gut, in our heart, we know that's the case, right? We know it's not just about what we can see and make perfect sense of. And, 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 and that said, Jesus is ruling over all of it. He's uniting all things, the seen and the unseen. And so when we talk about how big this deal is that we're a part of, 
Okay, when we get into chapter six, we, we start talking about spiritual warfare and the demonic realm and all this stuff. I just saw someone who I know grew up in, a, in another country in a context where almost certainly experienced this stuff right, a lot more, and right, we've talked about like Satan doesn't care about scaring us, he wants to trip us up. He wants to impede us. If the best way he could do that is by us not believing he's at work, he's all right with that. He sent demons to to try to meddle, okay, to try to get involved like really sneakily in every facet of our life. And so when we engage, like, man, come on, when we engage in talks of racial reconciliation, which, by the way, you cannot read Ephesians authentically and not, and not see that's like a massive major thrust. Okay, this isn't, it is social gospel, but it's not because the gospel is necessarily social, right? Social is relational, therefore the gospel is social gospel. But this isn't a little subset of theology that some of us like and enter into and some of us like to go the higher route and kind of sit up apart from and say, oh, I just do theology, okay? If your theology doesn't translate into how you relate with every other person, then it's not right theology, okay? Amen? And so, and so when we see this stuff, that has spiritual that has universal cosmic ramifications. The hard work of talking with one another, of being slow to speak and quick to understand, of saying, I want to ram into your car because of what your bumper sticker says, but, but somehow Jesus um, loved me enough and now calls us to love one another and I want to understand. Jesus is showing off through that to the watching world and even more so to the entire universe, the unseen spiritual realm. So guys, we get to be a part of something huge. Okay, we don't have a ton of time, so let's keep going here. Chapter four, Jesus loves and calls us to love because he is love. Okay, read with me. Chapter four, verses 14 uh, through 16. Okay, back in verse 14. Okay, he's doing this stuff. So that we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes, that we might not be easily wooed away, right, by all kinds of different stuff in the world, in the church, in, 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 in academia, in popular popular church theology. There's books out right now that look really good and make us feel really good. But if we just take it at that, we're, it, it can be really broken and really wrong. And so he's, he's doing this stuff to secure us, to ground us, right? Think of the opposite of that house of cards that we talked about earlier that comes easily toppling down. No, he's, he's, he's anchoring us. Okay, like picture, okay, I haven't done sports in, uh, analogies in a while, right? Like picture someone who, who doesn't skip leg day, all right, and is like firmly planted and, and someone thinks they're going to get blown up, but no, they hold, they hold strong, right? I was never that guy, by the way, but there are people here who were. Um, okay, <laughs> how much time do we have here? <laughs> I don't have time. Let's keep going. Okay, so anyway, firmly planted, Okay, if you care about that, I could share a little story about me getting blown up um, a couple times. So anyway, we'll talk over coffee or something. Where are we? Verse 15. Um, rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way 
into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up. How? In love. Because God is love. Everything about us together must be defined by his love and must be expressed in love. Again, unloving theology. If, if theology and belief doesn't translate into love. Now, yeah, we could spend a ton of time talking about what the love looks like and all this. But it, 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 I think we know the difference. Okay, if it's not loving, it's not right theology. It's not right practice. We are called to love radically. We see that demonstrated in and through the person and work of Jesus. And now we can and are called, expected to live out that love because he is love, because he demonstrates that love and that while we're yet his enemies, he sent his son to die for us, amen? Then moving on here to chapter five, Jesus turns power upside down. I'm gonna read um, a few of these verses. I'm gonna read verse one, verse two, verse 14, and verse 21, okay? Now, we didn't skip stuff when we went through it, okay? This was some big things. Um, I have the emails to prove it, Okay, it's big, it's important, but, but we're gonna read through these things to get the big idea again is in every human relationship, it's meant to be lived out in light of the fact that Jesus turns power structures and power dynamics and, and power expressions upside down. Okay, so picking up in verse one of chapter five, therefore, in light of all this good news we've been hearing, therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children in um in verse two and walk in love how walk how in love as christ loved us and gave himself up for us a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to god again okay this 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 idea that he's called us into is grounded in love and then down in verse 14 for anything that becomes visible is light Therefore, it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Okay, now before I get down to the last one there in verse, in verse 21, it's saying, listen, um, the good news of Jesus, the gospel doesn't just improve you, it transforms you. It doesn't just say, hey, keep living out these power structures and power dynamics that you are, are so used to that, that is so natural we don't even think about it, right? The current that we are in that just takes us there that says, no, like it's all about being on top. It's all about looking out for your own. It's all about, you know, do, doing what's good for you and that stuff. Know that through the transforming work of Jesus, we're called to be faithful, to be imitators of him, to display who he is. How? By descending. Okay, if you picture again like a, a pyramid kind of structure, and we tend to think of this, right, in all kinds of things, right? Like we got, you know, whatever, God, country, family, whatever, you know, all these different orders, whatever it might be. And we even tend to think, okay, well, there's, you know, there's, there's you know, God, um, husband, uh, wife, right, uh, slaves, 
children, and that one was kind of interchangeable in that culture in that day. And in that day, that's everyone understood it. It wasn't even a question. It was, of course, you do that. If you're at the top of that thing, then of course you do whatever you want to do. And again, Artemis, these other gods, that's the way they did it, right? They used their power to come down, to trick people, to hustle them, to, 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 to trip them up, to, to just be entertained, all this different stuff. That was the view of God. But no, in Jesus, we see a God who, what does he do with this power? He goes to the very bottom. He, he dies on the cross, the most shameful, just ugly, like turn your head away from, don't even look at kind of death in order to restore us, in order to bless us, in order to prop us up, in order to resurrect us up with him to give us now power Everyone, man, woman, child, um, slave, oppressed, marginalized, to give this same amount of power. And then the picture we looked at and we walked through, right? Husbands and wives, and then wives in, in, in relationship to husbands, and then husbands and wives and parents in relationship to children, in relationship to slaves, in re- relationship to the marginalized and the vulnerable and the seemingly easily dismissed among us of society is the higher up you are, the further you have to go in this picture of trying to kind of out-descend one another and giving up rights. And there is still power. It's clear there is still power. He doesn't say, husbands, try to get more power. He's saying, you have power. It's clear in society. It's clear in your home. It's clear most of the time physically, not always, right? But it's clear you have this stuff. Now, what do you do with it? Okay, don't try to pretend like you don't have it. No, descend the farthest down the ladder you can. Okay, don't, not like, oh, I'm here, I'm here. No, like, die like Jesus. He descends the most and he had the most distance to travel and then he calls each of us, depending on what we have and where we are, to use that, to lay it down through power, through leadership, through dying to self, through submission, right? Verse 21, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. It's all in response to the person and work of Jesus. He's transforming a people in order to make us faithful in a broken, chaotic world. And then lastly, in chapter six, read just in verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Okay, we talked about spiritual armor. We walked through this a couple weeks ago. All they did, right? The helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, right? The, the, the shield of faith, the sword of the spirit that is the word of God, all right? Again, if you don't have a Bible, let me repeat it, keep this one. If you want a better one, we have more. We want to get you a Bible that you can read, you can mark, and you can understand that this is the sword, that this, this is our, our, our hope to continue forward. Read God's word. Learn how to read God's word. Get involved in a redemption studies that we do. Get involved in mentorship. Talk about in our communities. Like pour over, be grounded in um, your faith, right? The, in the gospel, which is, which, is, which is most clearly revealed through the word of God, okay? These things. And, and then what did it say in verse 10? Well, what did it say? Finally, be strong. How? In, in whom? Be strong. In the Lord and in the strength of his might. This whole thing we've walked through, this whole letter to the Ephesian church, in a crazy, transforming, broken, chaotic kind of world, 
where, where Jesus' kingdom is, is, is coming, is restoring. We look ahead, we see the picture in Re- Revelation 7, and then, or in Re- Revelation 21, where he's sitting on the throne and he says, I'm making all things new. And we, say, we see that every tribe, every tongue, every nation, every, every people group, every, every ethnicity, every culture will not just be done away with. I heard a phrase, I text a friend who's here today, that, that, this thing that, 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 that he doesn't just break us away from our own culture, he, he presses us even deeper into it and then it becomes fully expressed in order to be woven together as a beautiful, glorious picture of the person and work and reign of Jesus and and that's what he's doing and he wants to ground us in that and and it's all all built upon being strong in the Lord and standing firm in the strength of his might and that's the book of Ephesians we've walked through it I'll read the very last part just so we can kind of put a little bookend on it Picking up in verse 21. This one we do have, okay? So if you've been holding out, it's there on the screen. So that you may also know how I am and what I am doing. Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that you may encourage your hearts. Peace be to the brothers and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. Okay, that last part, it's like, okay, that you could kind of skip that, whatever, right? Yes, true story, I almost did just now, right? But it's riddled with real life language. He mentions a person, a name, right? He's like, hey, you know, to... Tim comes to you, right, carrying this. He, he's got this message. Yeah, hey, we're doing well. Thanks for praying, right? There's, 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 there's flesh and blood. There's real life language. And this whole thing, this whole letter has been written to remind us that Jesus is uniting all things. Okay, he's got all the power that he's forming a people. He's transforming a people. He's calling a people to remain faithful, to be able to participate in his mission in a broken and chaotic world. Let's pray. Again, Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, Jesus, for your good news. Lord, I pray now that as we respond, as we close out a book, I don't want to take it for granted, Lord. Some people in here may have never walked through an entire book of the Bible. Lord, I pray that... um, as we zoom in and out, as we engage your word, as we get in the trees and we dissect and we also zoom out and we see the bigger story and the, that, that we saw throughout one whole book in Ephesians and then more and more as we zoom back and we see the whole, the whole breadth of scripture and the story where you are so clearly the author and the hero in all of life. But I pray that we would be transformed. I kind of close this time again, um, Lord, praying that as we leave here, as we're sent out later in the benediction, right now as we respond individually and communally to the good news of Jesus, or that we would be so transformed that we would remain faithful in the world that you've, that you've sent us into, the world that you are uniting, that you are ruling over, and that you will one day fully and finally restore. We pray all this in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen.